That is our answer today. To know that even though we may cry out, and we may look around, and we may get frustrated, and we may come to a time where we are like, I can't believe this is happening. The Lord has said to us through the prophet Habakkuk this morning, do not worry. Do not think that I'm not paying attention. Know that I have a plan, Habakkuk. And until that appointed time at the end where the wicked are judged righteously, I need you to live by faith, trusting in me, and therefore you can trust in my plan. Are you looking for meaning or a word from God that's relevant to your life? Are you searching for a better understanding of who God is? Well, you're in the right place. You found the Gary Talks About God podcast. This is a weekly podcast that comes to you from the pulpit of Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. The podcast is hosted by Red Bank Senior Pastor Gary Sanders. Now let's get ready to take that walk through God's Word with our pastor, teacher, and friend. Hey, he's that guy we call Gary. We are turning back to our study of Habakkuk this morning. If you have your Bibles, Habakkuk chapter 2, Habakkuk chapter 2. And last week we left Habakkuk sitting on the wall waiting for God to answer and trying to convey the shock of God's first answer to Habakkuk. Hey God, what are you going to do about this injustice and wickedness? Oh, I'm going to send a more unjust and a more wicked nation, uh, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, to come and take over Israel. I, I used the illustration of what if God were to use, and since it was in the news, the Taliban or Al-Qaeda to chasten America. And if that, what, was, what would you think if that was God's plan? What answer would you want to hear from God? Right As, as we are tracking through this uh, minor prophet of Habakkuk, he, he makes this accusation against God. And as we have seen, he, he keeps going back to Scripture and saying, God, this is what your word says who you are, but you're acting what appears to be in contrast to you. And then God says, well, you, you ain't seen nothing yet. You think the first part was a problem. Wait till you hear the second part of the plan. You're really going to be you know, amazed. And Habakkuk really was. And so if we put ourselves in that part, because it's, it's easy right now to see the injustice going on. It's easy to see the righteous being ridiculed for the stance uh, of biblical orthodoxy. It's easy to see how if you stand up for Christ and if you stand for Him, how people are not, not only not happy to hear that, but they, they want to silence you and not let you say anything. We, we can see that, and so we would cry out to God, God, what's going on? And then God says, hey, yeah, I got it, and by the way, we're going to bring another unjust nation in to, to chastise you. And so Habakkuk is now going, that's even worse, God. And, and we're going, God, that's even worse. What, an, what answer would you want from God? What answer would you want God to come and give you so that when he finishes speaking, you feel like God is now acting in accordance to who God has revealed himself to be, and to some extent, Habakkuk and us included, who we think God is, right? Because who we think God is should line up with who God has said he is. And so Habakkuk is going, I think you're a righteous God who can't look on wickedness, yet you're doing this. You've told me that. What's going on? What, what answer would you want 
from God. Would you want God to go, you know what? <laughs> I've heard what you said and you've out-argued me. You've made a better argument than I was making, so therefore, because of your argument, I'm going to change my mind. That, that would be what I would want. Would you not? I mean, don't you think if, if Habakkuk, in waiting for God's answer, if God came to him and said, hey, Habakkuk, I changed my mind. I'm not going to send the Babylonians. And in fact, everything I said I'm going to do to you, I'm going to do to them because they're wicked. Don't you? I mean, that would cause Habakkuk to rejoice. Would that not cause you to rejoice? Well, what we're going to see this morning in God's answer is that is not at all what he says. And to a great deal, he doubles down on what his plan is. And even though we're not going to get to it this morning, we will see in a couple weeks that God's answer was the answer that Habakkuk needed. So this morning, Habakkuk chapter 2, beginning in verse 2, and we're going to read all the way down to verse 20. So it will take just a few minutes to get through all of this. So verse 2, And the Lord answered to me, Quick pause, notice how the word Lord is written. You've always got to come back to that. That's so important. This is Yahweh. This is the personal covenantal keeping God, all right? And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as shale. Like death, he is never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. Shall not all these that take up their taunts against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say, Woe to him who heats up what is not his own, for how long, and loads himself with pledges? Will not your debtors suddenly arise and those awake who will make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them, because you have plundered many nations. All the remnant of these people shall plunder you. For the blood of man and violence of the earth to the cities and all who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life, for the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the woodwork respond. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, it is not from the Lord of hosts that peoples labor merely for fire, and nations weary themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink, who you pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you, and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of beasts that terrified them. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to the cities, and all who dwell in them. What profit is an idol when its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies? For its maker trusts in its own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake, to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silence before him. 
So this morning, the Lord comes and gives Habakkuk an answer, and we want to just kind of break it down into three parts this morning. And the first part is this. The Lord's answer confirms that He has a plan. It confirms that He has a plan. Now, as He is speaking to Habakkuk, and He starts to tell him, He says, write the vision. Write down what I'm about to tell you. All right, here's my plan. You need to write it down. And he says to Habakkuk, when you write it down, he says, I want you to, do, I want you to make it three things. He says, make it plain, make it known, and make it permanent. Make it plain, make it known, and make it permanent. Meaning that he wants everybody to be able to read it, everybody to be able to understand it, and to know that it is not going to go away. Now, there's an interesting word in here that helps us kind of understand what God is getting at, and it is the word tablet. Now, I imagine when you read that, you would probably just kind of jump all over, you know, just kind of miss it and go, oh, okay, it was a long time ago. They, they obviously wrote in stone, so, you know, they, they probably chiseled in limestone or something. It, it, it makes sense. But if I say to you and I ask you, when you think of the word tablet in the Bible, what probably automatically comes to your mind. The Ten Commandments. The word that is used there for tablet is in fact a reference back to the Ten Commandments. It's the same word. What Habakkuk is being instructed to do is to do the same thing that Moses did with the Ten Commandments. Right? When you think of the Ten Commandments, let me ask you this. Are, are, are they plain? Yeah. I mean, you don't need a whole lot of exposition on thou shall not kill. Right? I mean, I mean that, that's plain. Is, are, are they well known? Absolutely. While most people might not could recite all ten of them, I bet you most people know them. You go, hey, give me some good, you know, you know, if you were making laws to live by, tell me what you would make. Well, you probably shouldn't steal. You probably shouldn't kill somebody. You shouldn't lie. You shouldn't take from, oh, okay, well, right there, they've already named four of the Ten Commandments. And here's another question. Are they permanent? They're still here today, are they not? Most nations, whether they want to admit it or not, find in their, uh, their justice system at the foundation at least the last six commandments that interact with how people interact with each other. No killing, no murder. They may not have the first four that, that directs our relationship to God, but they got the last six. They're, they're still around. So Habakkuk is supposed to take God's plan and make it plain, make it known, and make it permanent, just as the Ten Commandments are. So that people can, why? Why is that important? It's important for, because for us today, think about where we are. When we come out and we cry out to Habakkuk, we cry out like the psalmist, we cry out like the, the saints in the book of Revelation, and we cry out, How much longer, O God? How much longer are you going to look at iniquity? How much longer are you going to let injustice reign? How much are you going to let the wicked and the evil prosper while the righteous suffer? Every time we cry out, how much longer, oh God, we need to come back to Habakkuk 2 and read it because God is saying this is what's going to happen. It answers our question for today. 
Because as we see, when God comes and gives Habakkuk his plan, it is a plan, but it is a plan that is also a prophecy. Meaning that it's not going to occur in Habakkuk's lifetime. Which is why it's got to be made permanent. Because there's coming a time. And as he's talking about his plan, he says to Habakkuk, look, he says, look, my plan, my prophecy, there, there's an appointed time. All right? I know Habakkuk, I know you and, and the believers, I know us today cry out, how much longer? We want to know how much longer. Or, you know, because otherwise we're looking around like Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes where it says, what has been is what will be, what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. And so we're looking around under this injustice and going, God, there's just a, a cyclical pattern to this. It looks the same yesterday as it looks today. How, how much longer? And so God says, look, it, it's, there is an appointed time. Habakkuk. You think that I don't know what's going on. You think that I'm just letting it spiral and spiral and just kind of like a dog chasing its tail. It just goes in circles. That's not what's happening. It is actually moving to an appointed time where there will be a climatic finish. Trust me. Trust me. He says, and as it moves to that appointed time, it's pointing to not just now, but to the end, to, to the final time. When, as we read in the psalm, that there are no evildoers in the house of the Lord. Now, we know historically we can look back and we can see that uh, the appointed time for the end of the Babylonians was, was 539. But that's not all. History is going to a final finish, to an end of time, where God brings every nation under his control. And he tells Habakkuk, the evil and the injustice is going to come to an end. And he says to Habakkuk, you can trust this plan. It, 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 is, it is truthful. Habakkuk, look back. Believers today, look back at everything that God has said, and you can see time and time again for what He has said has been proven true. He said, what I told you then was true. What I'm telling you now is true. Habakkuk, you can, you can take it to the bank. You can cash the check because it is good. You don't need to worry and fret. Yes, I know it looks like what I'm saying is not true because it keeps happening. But count on it, Habakkuk. There's an appointed time at the end. But until then, you got to be patient. Oh, we keep coming back to that, don't we? And here's, here's the Lord talking to Habakkuk again and says to him, I, I love this. I like this line. If it seems slow, Habakkuk, just wait for it. It, it will surely come. It, it, will, it will not delay <laughs> How do you think that made Habakkuk feel? How, how, how does that make you feel? You know, hey, if it, if it seems slow, wait, God, seems slow? Here, let me outline you <laughs> where we've been, what's been happening, and let me ask you, God, does it seem slow to you? Because it really seems slow from my viewpoint that the, right, the, the, the wicked and the evil continue to prosper while the righteous continue to suffer. Yeah, God, it seems 
a little bit slow. Right? What is it they say about the American justice system? That the wheels of justice turn slowly. That doesn't bring anybody comfort to anyone who is in the midst of the American justice system looking for justice, does it? What do we want? We want justice. What do we want now? I, I, I mean, I, I know that that was a, a big media story on both sides, but when you're in the midst of it and somebody steals your car, when do you want your car back? Now. <laughs> right? You, you don't want to wait. So here's God. Here's, here's, here's the Lord saying to Habakkuk, if it seems slow, just be patient. I'm sure Habakkuk looked at him and said, Lord, I was pretty patient until I came up and made that first complaint. You know, that's where my patience ended. And here you are telling me again to be patient. I, I just, I can't imagine at this point that Habakkuk, who's perched up on his wall, is feeling pretty good <laughs> about the answer, right? I mean, let me ask you, is there anything in that, that, that answer that is really new to you? I mean, this, I mean, God has said these things before, right? He, he's talked about the appointed time. He's talked about an end. He's talked about himself being truthful. He, he says that, that we've, we've got to be patient. There's nothing really new in that answer, but man, there's a part to it where it's just like, okay, I imagine at this point, if God took a breath between the end of verse 3 and of verse 4, I bet Habakkuk's mind just kicked into high gears like, all right, I'm ready for my third complaint, God. I'm starting to write it down right now. I don't want to be patient. I want the appointed time to be now, and why don't you just go ahead and, and, and make the, the time now, right? I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think I've said this several times in the past. I, I have cried out for come Lord Jesus more in the past probably three or four months than I ever have in my life. I mean, hey, God, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, anybody else up to here with the world? Uh, I mean, anybody? Maybe I'm alone, you know? Like, hey, I'm, I'm up here, and I go to Revelation 21 and 22, and I'm like, hmm, I could be there, <laughs> or I could be here. I don't want to be over here. But that's his plan. And he tells Habakkuk, he says, look, in verse 4 and verse 5, where he talks about his soul being puffed up as either the, the ruler of the Babylonians or the Babylonians as a whole, and he says, look, look, they're arrogant, they're proud, it, 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 it's coming to them. But Habakkuk, for you to be able to endure and be patient to the end, you're going to have to, in verse 4, live by faith. Now, we're going to come back to that next week. That, that, that needs a whole sermon all on its own. So when God reveals His plan to Habakkuk, He says, here it is, live by faith until it happens. But Habakkuk, please, don't misunderstand. I've got a plan. And I need you right now to make that plan plain, known, and permanent. So when believers after you, when my people, my, my children after you who are asking the same question can come back and see that I am in control and I have a plan, and that they will be reminded too, just as you are, to live by faith. But then secondly... The Lord's answer promises judgment against the wicked. The Lord's answer promises judgment against the wicked. The question Habakkuk has continually asked is, God, where is your righteous judgment? 
Where is your righteous judgment against the wicked, against those who transgress your laws, who, who just look at your moral laws and say, nope, I'm not going to do it. Those who worship idols, who just say, God, I, I, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. I don't care about your laws. I'm going to do what I want to do and live in that wicked life. Where is your righteous judgment against them? And then God says to Habakkuk, here it is. Let me tell you about these five judgments that are coming. And, and, and all of the judgments are introduced with the word woe. Same way that Jesus did dealing with the Pharisees where He said, woe to them for, for leading people astray. Woe to you for being the whitewashed tomb where, where Jesus is, is chastising them. Now, woe is kind of an interesting word because we use it as, as, as a sign of, of something bad to come. But it's really uh, more of a uh, kind of like... When you just go, huh, or, or ha. It, it's got a mocking edge to it. Like somebody comes up to you and goes, hey, look at how special I am. And you go, hmm. right? That, that, that's kind of what this woe is. It, it's not, yes, it is introducing judgment, but it's introducing judgment in a way that's a little bit mocking. Because what you're going to see is in God's judgments is there is a connection between the behavior and the judgment. You could rightfully describe that as poetic justice, right? Right? The person who speeds by you getting pulled over a quarter mile down. Oh, they got what they deserved. That's exactly what is happening here. And we need to look at them really quickly, and we're not going to spend a great deal of time on each one. But verses 6 through 8, what you have is the robber is robbed. The robber is robbed. He goes, look, you go into lands, you take what is not yours, you load yourself up with pledges, you, you take away people, you have plundered many nations, you have, through violence, through the shedding of the blood of man, take even cities that, that are not yours. He says, but will not your debtors suddenly arise and those who await will make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them. He's saying there's going to come a time where you think where you've robbed everybody, where those who you have robbed have come and they're going to now rob you. So the robbers are going to be robbed. The secure are going to be dismantled. Verses 9 through 11, it says, Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. Basically, what is happening is he goes, Look, y'all have this great fortified city, right? Think of all the castles that you've ever seen pictures of. What do you notice traditionally about castles? A couple things. One, they're usually on top of a mountain or something, right? Setting up high so that they can, you know, people can't get to them. And then they got the big walls around them. And so the people inside the walls and then the castle, they feel, you know, secure. They feel secure as they sit in their castles and look down at the little people, right? He says, you sit there and you sit in this security and, and, and comfort, but you're not. He says the, the stone will cry out and the beam from the woodwork will respond and, and, and you know, it, you're going to be dismantled. You think you sit in fortified security? Ha! <laughs> Your stronghold will be dismantled. Then he says the cruel will be discarded. Woe to him who builds a town with blood 
founds a city on iniquity. So they think that they're, that they're being civilized and they're building up cities and towns, but they've built their cities and their towns through their brutality. Remember what we read about them? It says that their violence is their God. And they think that because of their cruelty and that people are cowering before them, that their civilization will last. But they're laboring for nothing. God says it's just going to be burned up in the fire. You think all of this that you're doing to build your great city is going to withstand the test of time. <laughs> it's, it's going to come to nothing and be forgotten. He says the immoral will be shamed in verses 15 through 17. You can see the immorality. I mean, it's, it's like a parade of immorality in those verses. Drunkenness, gaze on their nakedness, get people drunk, violence against other people. The immorality, you, you see in verse 17, is kind of interesting. It talks about the violence done to Lebanon and, and the destruction of the beast. And you go, what in the world is that about? Lebanon was known for its forest, had great forest. And so they go in there and they just they decimate the land. They destroy the trees. They destroy the animals. Just wholesale slaughter them. I mean, the immorality there is that there's a complete attack against God's creation at every level. And remember that what they had done? You remember they turned their immorality into a thing of worship? They think this is great. They think that, that being immoral is so wonderful that they're bowing down to it and worshiping and, and making offerings to it. God says, you, you think bowing down and worshiping your immorality is, is moral? Woe to you. It's coming a day where you will be covered in shame. Your shame will be revealed to all people. Then the idolatrous will be powerless. In verses 18 through 19. What value is there in, in idolatry? Right? Bowing down to an idol made of wood that you created with your hands and then say to the idol, you're what gives me power? I mean, it, it, it's, it's just, it, it's absurd. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is. And, you know, for, for us today, the, the, and you can see this actually with making an actual idol, the, the idol that we as Americans face today is the idol itself. But can you not see if I was to actually make a, a, a wooden idol and bow down to it, it's still the idol itself? Because even though I think that that idol has power over me, I created it and I'm setting myself up above the idol. We set ourselves up against the, the power and, and, and the wisdom of God saying that we're the greatest power and wisdom in the universe. At least Habakkuk had enough sense to know that he had no clue as to what God's answer was. At least he was willing to come and confess, God, I don't know what you're doing. But here they have set up idols. The maker trust in its own creation. You know, the idol doesn't even, doesn't even speak says to him, awake, to a stone arise. Never seen a stone speak. Never seen the donuts disappear from my bakery in Thomasville that's placed before the idols. God looks at them and says, you, 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 you think the idols that you've made will save you one day. <laughs> There's no power or life in them to save you. 
Now, when you read those woes, one of the things I, I, I hope that jumped out into your mind that you saw, that yes, while they're directed against Babylon, do you see in those woes a great flexibility in them? Not in what the judgments are, but in how they can be applied and to whom they can be applied. Right? Are, are they solely directed to Babylon? Absolutely not. Go back to the previous question. Why did God want them to be plain, known, and permanent? Because those judgments are equally applicable to any nation throughout history that has risen up and, and is robbing people, thinking they're secure in who they are, being cruel, advocating immorality, bowing down to worthless idols. History is littered with the rise and fall of nations. Right? I mean, you, you go back and, and you think of the Egyptian, the Greek, the Roman, the Ottoman, the Han, the Habsburg, the Ming, the Russian. The list can go on and on and on. Great empires, and though maybe a nation by that same name still exists, but it's not nearly the empire that it once was. It doesn't have the influence that it once did. Why? Because God has said, look, if you're going to do this, you need to know that you're going to be brought down, that somebody's going to rise up through my sovereign plan and is going to rob you. You need to know that your power will end. You need to know that your cities that you think are going to last forever will just turn to dust. And the idols you bow down to will not save you at all. And while it's great to look back in history and see that, and we can kind of see it with an academic and intellectual understanding, for us it becomes much more emotional. Because when you read those woes, you cannot help but notice the parallels that exist in America today. Watch the news tonight. And you can check every one of those. Who has the largest defense budget in the world? I forget what it is. Like you add up the next 10 nations and it doesn't even come to ours. Who, who right now is the leading advocate and exporter of all kinds of immorality? Who right now has set up and said, hey, you do you. Tell your truth. Worship yourself. What nation is doing that? It, 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 it's us. You want to stay awake tonight when you go to bed? Think about where America may, may be on God's judgment timeline. Because each one of those accusations can be made against America. 
And if God didn't let the nations in history escape judgment, do you really think that America is so special that God will allow us to escape his judgment? It would be the height of hubris to suggest that we would. I mean, that would just be absolutely arrogant to say to God, you're not going to judge us. God says, there's going to be judgment against the wicked and against the nations that stand against him. But then finally, the Lord's answer displays his glory to the world. Verse 20 ends with the contrast. The contrast is the last woe, the the worthless idols who are speechless and powerless and made by hands to a God who is eternal, who is living, who is breathing, who speaks, who interacts with His creation, sitting in His throne room on His throne in His holy temple. The one speaking to Habakkuk, reminding Habakkuk and reminding the world that He is not a helpless Lord who is just idly sitting up there watching things happen that He has no control over them. He is Lord God Almighty, rulers of the heavens and the earth. The one who rises up nations and brings them down. The one who has a plan and everything is working towards his plan. And so the Lord looks at Habakkuk, the prophet, and says to the prophet who came before him and challenged him, he looks at him and says, Habakkuk, I've told you what's going on. Now let all the earth keep silent before me. He says, there's not a charge the world can bring against me. There's not a charge that the the wicked world can bring against me, a holy and just, glorious God. Habakkuk, the, the, the wicked think that they are going to last and, and live forever. He says, I got news for them. He says in verse 14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. He says, the world is going to see my glory. And one of the ways the Lord, the world is going to see his glory is through his righteous judgment. Because through his righteous judgment, his glory is revealed because it reminds us that he is jealous and he guards his holiness. And he guards his glory. And he says, I will not share it with anyone else. And Habakkuk, do not mistake my silence for inattention. Do not mistake my silence for me not wanting to act. I'm going to act, Habakkuk. I'm going to do what you have called out for me to do. That is your answer, Habakkuk. That is our answer today. To know that even though we may cry out, and we may look around, and we may get frustrated, and we may come to a time where we are like, I can't believe this is happening. The Lord has said to me, said to us through the prophet Habakkuk this morning, do not worry. Do not Think that I'm not paying attention. Know that I have a plan, Habakkuk. And until that appointed time at the end where the, right, where the wicked are judged righteously, I need you to live by faith, trusting in me, and therefore you can trust in my plan. 
You've been listening to the Gary Talks About God podcast. Are you looking for a church? Well, Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church is a community of believers who exist to glorify God and see transform lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on the web at www.redbankmbc.com. Also, come visit us on Sunday at 8104 Red Bank Road in Germantown, North Carolina. Did you like this podcast? We put one out each and every week, so don't forget to subscribe. We hope this has been a blessing to you, and we thank you for listening.